Good evening, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm Richard. If you don't know who I am, I'm uh, one of the uh, ministers here, associate vicar. Got to speak tonight on that wonderful passage. I won the lottery, it feels like, getting to speak on that. So let me try and lift this up a little bit. There we go. Oh, that's too high. I've got to get it just right because I'm not young anymore. My eyesight you can't cope with the writing too close or too far away anymore. Anyway, um, let me pray before we get underway. Uh, Lord, that is such a wonderful passage. And I pray tonight that as we look at it and explore it, you would indeed open our eyes and clear our vision that we might see you and know your truth more clearly in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start by telling you a slightly less dramatic story than what we've just heard. It's about a guy called Henry who had just moved into a new street and didn't really know any of his neighbours. But he was excited to come home from work to find an invitation to a street party. It said, come dressed as your favourite animal. Now, if Henry was normal, he would have been like me and thought, oh my goodness, that party sounds awful. I don't like dressing up. But he wasn't. So he thought, oh, that's really exciting. I love a fancy dress party. What shall I go as? So Henry decided to brainstorm some ideas. And with great enthusiasm, he quickly decided that he was going to go as a peacock, his favorite animal. He worked with great vigor, spent hours meticulously crafting a grandiose tail and costume made out of colorful fabrics and feathers. It was a glorious sight to behold. The day of the party arrived, and Henry proudly donned his masterpiece and walked a couple of doors down to meet his neighbors for the first time. As he stepped into this house, he couldn't help but notice people start to chuckle at his extravagant outfit. He was met with puzzled looks too from his neighbors. Yes, they were all dressed up, but they'd simply come as normal people would in like cats and dogs and bear outfits. Some people even just in, one person even in a Tigger onesie. Henry couldn't understand why they didn't appreciate his wonderful peacock costume. That took was about three meters in width, and whenever he turned around, would flick and push other people out of the way, knocking them into things. Oblivious, he paraded around some more, showcasing his outfit and speaking to everybody about their wonderful mating rituals. As the evening progressed, poor Henry found himself on the own in the corner, not many people willing to talk to him. He went home quite sad at the end of the meeting, evening and was lying in bed wondering what went wrong. He bumped into a neighbor the next morning and in desperation asked them what people had thought of his outfit. He got another puzzled look and the guy said, it was a very good outfit. But the whole point of the party was not what outfit you came in. It was about friendship and getting to know people. And your outfit 
got in the way. Henry missed the point. He was excited, he was wonderful, but he totally missed the point about what the party was about. The party was not about the costumes, but about the people. I wonder if any of you have ever missed the point in anything in your life. I certainly have. As I was preparing this, I remembered a, a conversation that my children have never let me forget. It happened around the dinner table. And I think I started off in this conversation, as I do from time to time, I sort of zoned out as my mind sort of went somewhere else. But there was a word, or I thought I heard a word, that suddenly drew me back into the conversation. That word was donuts. We were near the end of the meal, and I thought I heard that word, and I what, suddenly went, we've got donuts for dessert. Apparently, nobody had said the word donuts. We didn't have donuts for dessert, and they weren't talking about anything to do with food. I was looked at with uh, bemusement and shock for a second, and then they all started to take the mick out of me, and I felt very small and ashamed. And they still remind me of that conversation, even to this day. I missed the point, but thankfully they still love me. I'd zoned out from that conversation and totally lost track and ended up looking rather silly. I'm sure we all have experiences like that. I want to take it a step further because those instances, you know, that shared that story of mine, they're, big in, they're, like, they're not that big instances about missing the point. I didn't really have huge impact, but actually sometimes when we miss the point, they can have a much bigger impact, can't they? I remember once in an exam when I was much younger, misreading a question and then answering the question that I thought I read <laughs> rather than the question that was actually there. I missed the point, and it didn't go well. I didn't obviously get good marks. That happened in an essay that I had to write. I know some of you have got exams coming up very soon. It's important, isn't it, that we don't miss the point that the question is answering. If we're in an interview as well, we need to understand the question in order to give the right answer. Some of us have probably misunderstood the intentions of actions of others in relationships. And that's caused fights and hurts and breakdowns in relationships, all because we have misunderstood what's being said or what's being done. What about taking it even further? What do you want to do with the rest of your life? Gosh, that's a big question, isn't it? What do you want to do with the rest of your life? What's going to be your purpose behind it? If you're a younger person here, if you're part of the Gen Z, that a number of them are, one of the key markers we're told of that generation, there's a lot of people there, they want to be, um, have a life of significance. They want to make an impact in the world. I think that's quite a good value for a generation of people to have, to want to make, have a life of significance and make an impact in the world. But how do we know if it's going to be a good impact or a bad impact? There's certainly been quite a few people in the world that have made an impact 
for really bad reasons, as well as plenty that have done good things. But what's the difference? Some of us here may be more senior members, our generations, be more concerned about making money and finding a living. Nothing necessarily wrong with making money. But is that really all there is to life? Have we missed the point if that's what life becomes about? Here's the thing as well with missing the point is often we don't realize we've missed the point until much later on in life. Can we go about our lives or doing things for a long time without realizing we've missed the point? And the simple answer to that is yes, we can. Tonight, I want us or to try and answer that question is how can we know that we hit the mark in our life? rather than be people that miss the point in the big picture of things. No matter whether you're late on in life or early on in life, whether you've had a whole life of doing things wrong or a mixture of things as it probably is for most of us, there is a way to make sure we start hitting the mark better and we see it in this wonderful passage that we heard read a few moments ago from Paul. This is one of the most dramatic turnaround events that's ever, I think, been recorded and written about in somebody's life. This dramatic encounter of Paul on this road to Damascus. It's had a saying about it. It's much less pos possible, um, um, popular, that's the word I'm looking for, now than it has been. But it used to be a saying about people having a Damascus road experience. It was named after this Bible story about uh, something happening in somebody's life that totally turned it around. This is what happened in Paul's life in this story. Let me just want to remind everybody so we're really clear about what, who Paul, Saul, as he was in that reading, was before this encounter in Scripture. He was a wealthy, well-educated, and well-respected man, not just by society. But we also know that that's what he thought about himself. He'd grown up um, under the tutelage of a very famous um, Pharise Pharisee and his leader. We know also later on that he was a Roman citizen. His family had wealth in their background as well as being a, a Jew. He thought he was a good person. He was well respected. People were looked up to him in the previous chapter. He was there as the persecution of Christians started. He was watching over the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr that there is recorded dying for believing in Jesus after Jesus. People laid their cloaks at his feet as Stephen was stoned to death. He thought he was doing that for the right things because um, that's what he believed, that people that didn't follow his way or the way that he'd been taught, the way that he'd been grown, when people that didn't deserve to be respected, and he was going to Damascus to go and persecute and find more Christians to put them in prison. And he thought that was what his calling was. 
He was somebody that in the eyes of many in the community and the world had it right. I want to read you something that he says about himself. This is Paul speaking about himself, about his post-meeting with Christ's life and what he thought about himself. It says this, it's going to, it's from the Bible, the reading is going to come up now, I hope, on the screen, the next one. It says this, if anyone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in their, it's the word is flesh, but in their background, in, in who they are, it says, I have more. You know, I was, I was circumcised on the eighth day, you know, that's what holy, righteous, good um, Jewish um, men were. He's of the people of Israel. He's a person, you know, from the tribe, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, which was said to be the, one of the, or thought to be one of the purest tribes of Benjamin. In, in regards to, to law, that's how he behaved and acted. He was a member of the Pharisees. He was quite high up already, despite his young age. He had zeal. He went around living it out with great passion, we're told, and he was persecuting the church. And for his actions, he says, as for legalistic righteousness, as in following and understanding the law, this is how he saw himself. He was faultless. That's what he says. He thought he was a good person. He thought he was a good person. He thought he was doing the right things. He thought he was living with the right attitudes and actions. Other people thought that of him. He would have been high in line in his worldly life to have serious influence in the future of Israel. But something was missing and he didn't really notice it. Then something happened to him. We all know what happened to him. He had an encounter with Jesus, as we are told in that reading from Acts. And Jesus asks him this simple question, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, Saul, you are missing the mark in your life. You think you're doing this all right and for me and you are totally missing the mark, the point. You see, if we read the Bible and we read the gospel, we soon learn that significance in God's eyes is not about making a name for yourself or making yourself holy and righteous in God's eyes by going around and persecuting and putting others down. But having a life of significance in God's eyes is about loving and caring and serving others. It's about trusting in who God is rather than trusting what you can do or what you have done. I'm sure Paul didn't all realize that all from that one phrase, but that's what he came to realize. And it was that encounter on that road with the presence of Jesus that transformed Saul's life. He went round and did a total 180. Paul went from somebody that was passionately persecuting the church to passionately praising and promoting Jesus with his whole 
life. His zeal was totally transformed. Just in case you don't know this about Paul, but let me tell you some other facts from Paul's later life after this encounter. He is uh, the author of 13 of the 27 uh, books that we have in the New Testament in Scripture. So this guy that oversaw the first person to be killed for their faith in Jesus after Jesus' ascension, who went around getting letters so he could go around persecuting them, is the author of nearly half of the books we have in the New Testament that tell people about Jesus. He planted churches throughout the area, wrote letters to them, which is what lots of the um, writings in the New Testament are. He went from persecuting to persuading Jesus, to to persuading people to believe in Jesus and even being persecuted himself for it. How did this change come about? Or why did this change come about from one simple encounter? Well, it's it's just really simple and profound. It is that actually if you meet with Jesus, it does change and transform you because there is nothing better than knowing Jesus. God himself, God who is love and loves us and cares for us and gives us so much. I want to read you something more that Paul says. Can we go back, go forward to the next reading? Just a few verses on from this in Philippians that Paul says and talks about it. There we go. So this is Paul just a few verses later in Philippians. He says this, But whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. For Paul, there was nothing better in his life than that moment that he encountered Jesus and started a relationship with him. Can we have the reading back on again? Because there's a word I really want to point out that I've highlighted on there. Garbage, I consider them garbage. All those things, that prestige, that wealth, that um, education, that life that he had before, he says he counts them as garbage. And actually that word garbage is a very polite translation of what is going on in the Greek, if you don't know it. It... um, It's almost talking like sewerage, like effluent. Many scholars believe that the word that that could probably be translated, it starts with sh and ends with it. That is how he views what his life was like before compared to knowing Jesus. That is what the power of Christ can do in people's lives. Jesus' presence in his life was more precious to him than any other purpose, position, possession, priority. It's more important, and I hope it is more important in our lives than anything else that we might like to strut around and show off like peacocks like to do. An encounter with Jesus changes things for the better. It helps you hit the mark, not miss it. 
Many of us fear about what actually allowing Jesus to into our lives will do. We see stories like that and we think, well, I'm not ready to give up X or change Y about my life because I, you know, I want the respect of people. I, I, I want to go after that or, or this. Well, you don't know fully what Jesus is going to do in your life and what he um, wants you to um, maybe drop or, or pick up all the, all the time because actually there are people that have given their lives to Jesus and, you know, they have gone on to do very similar things to what they wanted to do before, if not the same thing. But what you need to know is that whatever Jesus calls you to do, it is much better with him than without him. I've shared my testimony a few times, but I just want to remind you, I grew up going to a church from when I was about um, eight or nine years old when my dad became a Christian. And initially I didn't like it, and then I actually grew to love it in my teenage years, going along to youth groups and things like that, and spending time learning about God and being in a community and with a community of friends that, that loved and cared and supported for one another. I also got to play many games and football and stuff together. It was absolutely brilliant. I, when I went away to university, I walked away from the church and from God. And I have to say, it was the worst few years of my life. And because I'm quite slow, it took me a few years to realize what was missing. Yes, there were moments of fleeting joy doing X or Y, but nothing that really lasted. And I remember being on my own one night, walking back, and being angry with God because all these things that I thought were going to bring joy and peace into my life hadn't. And God simply said, if you believe in me, why don't you trust me? And a great sense of peace was filled in those words. And I decided I was going to start trusting Jesus again. And I realized what I was missing was not all these things that the world tells you it has to offer that will bring you joy and peace and fulfillment and all those things. It was actually being close to God and being in a church community that showed love and care for one another. That is what God wants for us. And God will use your gifts and your skills and your passion in that new life with him, but in a better and more profound way. You know, Paul was a really passionate guy even before he met Jesus. We saw the zeal that he was going around with persecuting the Christians. But afterward, God turned that passion and that zeal into something much better. And we saw Paul's word that he used to describe what his life was like without Jesus to what it like is like with him. So I want to ask you all this question. Are you missing the point in your life? Are you doing it? in a way that is seeking God's presence and God's will in your life? Or are you doing it without him? I think for some of us, there might be an opportunity to invite this wonderful presence of Jesus into our lives for the first time. For some of you, maybe you just want to be refreshed and reaffirm your commitment to him. But before we go into praying, I just want to pick up one extra character in this story that I haven't really touched on yet. And he actually plays a really crucial role in that. 
in Paul. And that's Ananias. We don't hear anything else about Ananias in Scripture other than this. He obviously was a follower of Jesus, maybe one of the early people that had been scattered for the, for the persecution. But he was somebody that stepped out in faith. Some of you here have had an encounter with Jesus and you know his presence. But maybe you've blocked out God's voice. You're not having the confidence to step out in faith and do what God is asking you to do. Ananias was told to go to Paul. He had heard and seen who Paul was and what he was doing. It was not an easy ask of God to say to Ananias, go to this bloke. It could feel really threatening and scary, but Ananias was obedient. He went. He went to where he was scared to go. And through him, the scales from Paul's eyes fell away. He got to see again, but see clearly. He got to pray for him. And I'm sure help explain who Jesus was and what the Holy Spirit was as well to him. For some of you, you may need to listen to God's voice, God's calling, and be obedient to go and do that thing. Maybe even for some of you, there is somebody right now who is on your heart that you desperately want to be able to see Jesus more clearly. If that is, pray for God to guide you in how to make him known to that person. Another one more thing. I just want to bring in our church's purpose statement in this. Hopefully you will remember what it is. It's encounter, celebrate, and share God's transforming love. That's what's going on in this wonderful Bible passage in a nutshell. It's people encountering God. It's about people praying together, celebrating and sharing it, being baptized in celebrating it, being baptized together and sharing it, not just with one another, but with other people, this transforming love that is so awesome and so great. That is what we are called to be a people. We're called to be in people that encounter, that go after being in the presence of Jesus and celebrating that. It's joy because it's wonderful and great, but also not just keeping it to ourselves, but sharing it with the world in the way that God has called us to be. Our world just needs transformation and it needs us to be obedient. So let's practice trusting in God, resting in his presence, being obedient. Amen. Oh,